Well, I invite you right now, if you have your Westover app, to open it up. We have our notes and scripture on the app every week. If you prefer your Bible, either open it up or, or unfold it right now, turn it on. We're in the Gospel of John, chapter number 5. We're in a series entitled, From Now On. In fact, I'm closing out this series today. And I'm believing at the close of this service when we have our prayer moment that there are going to be people that are going to pray a from now on prayer. A from now on prayer is saying, God, from now on, this day, I've settled it. God, I've, I've made up my mind. I've determined. I know what you told me to do. I know what I should do. From now on, I am going to fill in the blank. A from now on prayer that you will say this is your defining moment. Unfortunately, many of us, we're not from now on. We're kind of off and on, <laughs> you know, off and on. Yes, we, we, we make a commitment to the Lord, and then life happens. We get distracted and we get busy. And the thing God told us to do, we put on the back burner. Yeah, you know, you can get eight years into a four-year degree. Yeah. You can say, you know, I know what God's wired me for and what God's called me to become. I know the career path. Then you get about three semesters in it and two or three final exams and one didn't go too well. And you get discouraged and get distracted and just get weary in it and put it by the side and say, I'm not going to do that. I was wrong. And all of a sudden, faith awakens in your heart and you determine that's what I need to be doing. And you get back in the game and you're kind of off and on. It was Soren Kierkegaard, the philosopher, said the, the most painful state of living is remembering the future. Huh. What do you mean, remembering the future? Remembering what you should have been. Remembering what you could have been. Do you know in the American church today, in American culture, below average is the new average. Now, we have normalized below average. Oh, I'm not going to follow all of God's teaching. You know, some of that's passe. Some of that's for a different era. You don't have to do that today. And we have normalized living a below average faith and a below average life. Many of us are a 2.5 on a 1 to 10 scale. And God is, God is calling us to be that, that 10. But we settled for below average We've settled to just get by. We've, we've shelved the dream. We've set aside our goal and ambition. And we're saying we're just average. But in reality, from what God intended, we're below average. Well, today I believe God is sending out a word. And for some of us, this is going to be a prophetic word in your spirit. Faith is going to awaken and you're going to say in the closing prayer, from now on. We're in the Gospel of John, chapter number 9, excuse me, chapter number 5, verse 1 through 9. Now I'm going to read all the verses as I have done in every message throughout this series. But this time, I'm going to read through and kind of reflect as we read through. So for those that haven't been in our previous uh, messages, let me give a summation, if I can, of the account in John chapter 5, and then we'll read through it. 
The Bible tells us that Jesus goes to Jerusalem at the time of the festival. Most scholars believe it was during the time of Passover. He, he arrives there and he goes to a place called Bethesda. It's a pool. It's a, it's a spring-fed pool where there was water that people would go and gather around. And, and that pool is actually is actually still there in Jerusalem today. It's been excavated. Those that have gone to the Holy Land with us will remember we visit the Pool of Bethesda by St. Anne's Chapel. And we go there and we have a service. We have a teaching moment there. Well, Jesus goes to the Pool of Bethesda and the Bible says that while he's there that, that Jesus encounters people with all kinds of diseases, the lame, the sick, the invalid. And the Bible tells us that there's one man laying on a mat one man laying on a mat. And the Bible says this mat, man had been on this mat for 38 years. He, he had been an invalid coming every day to the pool of Bethesda. Jesus walks up to the man and said, do you want to get well? The man says, oh, I, I don't know if I can do that. I don't have anybody to help me. And Jesus says, then take up your mat and walk. And the Bible tells us instantly the man was healed. It's that miracle we want to visit, and I'm going to kind of teach through the verses, and then we're going to wrap it up with a couple main points. So let's go to John chapter 5, verse 1 through 3, and then I'll teach. Just stay with me. Keep your Bible open, but let's read verses 1 through 3 first. It says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem at one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in the Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of the, the disabled people used to lie, the blind the, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Verse number two, I was caught by that. Here, the pool of Bethesda, and it's, it's surrounded by five covered colonnades. It's a spring-fed pool, and the lame, the blind, the sick came there. So what did they do? They put these covered uh, you, you and I would think like carports, you know, like a patio cover over the area to make it comfortable for people to stay in their broken condition. Five covered colonnade. It reminds me of our five senses. How easy it is for us to say, oh, I, I feel this way, I see it this way, I just, we taste, we feel, we hear, we just, we can normalize being down on the mat. We can normalize below average. We say, it's all right with me, I'm getting by. It's not too bad. It's not the grace. I don't have the best life. But guess what? I don't have the worst life. It's just all right. And they, they built these coverings to make it easy and comfortable to be by the pool. And what happens? It's cool to be by the pool. Yeah. It's just all right to be there. We just, we stay in a below average experience in life when God is calling us to something better. And I'm going to invite you today to pray a from now on prayer. I'm, I'm not going to stay below average from now on, God. I'm going to become what you intend. Now something else I want you to see. I just read verses uh, 1 through 3. Now if you have an NIV Bible, a New Living Translation Bible, the English Standard Version Bible, I want you to notice there's no verse 4 in your Bible. Have you ever noticed that? There's no verse 4 in your Bible. 
Now, it probably has a little notation, and then down at the bottom it has in small print, just as mine does here, it says, here's what verse 4 might have been. But in your King James Version, there is a verse 4. And in the King James Version, it, it, says, it says this, that there were the invalid, the blind, the lame, they were around there, and here was a man laying on a mat. Verse 4 in the King James Version says that there by the pool, and a certain time of the day, the water were troubled, and that an angel when troubling the water, and when the water was troubled, the first one in, the first one that would step in, God would heal them, and they would be delivered from their disease. But that's not in the NIV, it's not in the New Living Translation, English Standard Version. Why? Because it was not in the original Greek text. Let me explain to you. The original Greek text, which we have the scripture from, what is in the King James was not in the original Greek text. Now, there was no kind of conspiracy. Don't take a conspiracy theory on this. What it was is the miracle was recorded and, and there was an editorial note that was written to explain why they were there. To explain. There was a tradition, there was a superstition, a superstition that at a certain time of day an angel troubled the waters. So they actually wrote that. Well, when they, when they translated the King James Version, they actually brought it into the verse. But in reality, it wasn't in the original Greek manuscripts of Scripture. So... When they, when they translated the NIV, English Standard Version, and other versions, they did not include it because it wasn't in what was actually in Scripture. So what it was, here was, the Bible says that there was a superstition that those who were around the pool, that at a certain time of a day, an angel would come and trouble the water. What was it? They actually saw bubbles coming up from a spring-fed pool. And somebody said, look at that. Did you see those bubbles? Oh, I bet it's an angel. Yeah, I bet it is an angel. Guess what? I bet if you get in there when the angel's, when the angel's troubling the water, you'll be healed. I bet it is. So they were all sitting around the pool waiting for the water to be troubled, to be the first one in. What I want you to know is that's nowhere taught in Scripture. That's nowhere taught in Scripture. There's nowhere in the Bible God has a contest. I mean, when we gave the altar call just a moment ago with the prayer team, here's what we didn't say. Okay, prayer team, you come forward. And the first person down here we'll pray for, and if you're second or third, sorry, we can't help you. We don't give an altar call for salvation and say, God's about to do something in people's heart, and the first one down to the altar, God will save you. But if you're second, third, or fourth, God can't help you. No! There's no lottery system with God. There's no contest. Nowhere in the Bible is that taught. That was a superstition that the people believed in, and they adopted that God would only do it one time at a certain time of day and only for one, and you had to be the first one in. And you know what I've discovered in life? A lot of times we can get caught in misinformation. Yeah. And some of us, we're down on the mat. We're down on the mat because we have some wrong information. We're below average. We just stay the same old lie, the same old brokenness. And we say, you know, I can't do anything about it. 
You know, I was born this way. This is the way our family is. I've always had this temperament. I've always been this kind of person, and I can't change, so I'll just stay on the mat. We have the mat down pat, don't we? We have the mat down pat. We just stay in our problem and our brokenness all the time. People say from time to time, you know, God will help those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. God helps people who can't help themselves. But we get information and we just stay down on the mat. We stay in our dysfunction. We think we have to live with it. We think we can't change it. Somebody told us it'll be from now on. You'll never get over it. It'll never be better. You're just stuck. You made bad choices back then. Now you made your bed. You just sleep in it and stay there. And we stay below average because of something we believe that is not true. Here's what I've discovered. If Satan cannot get us to stray, he'll just get us to stay. If he cannot get you to stray from the faith, he gets you to just stay below average. He'll, it's all right to go to church, read your Bible, just don't practice it. You can read the Bible, the devil will tell you, but just don't practice. Don't believe it that God will do it for you. Just believe he did it for the people in the Bible in the ancient days. And we stay in this dysfunction. We stay below average. How easy it is for us to stay on the mat and live a below average life. And God has something better for us. God is inviting us to get up, move on, don't stay below average. Let's continue reading. Continue reading. Verse number five. One who had been there, who had been an invalid for 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there, learned that he had been in that condition for a long time, he asked him, I'm caught by this. Here's a guy that's been an invalid, crippled, for 38 years, and Jesus said, do you want to get well? I don't know about you. Does that just strike you as a, as a different kind of question? It's kind of a rhetorical question. You know, he's been down on the mat crippled for 38 years. And Jesus said, do you want to get well? You ever had one of those questions that's hard to answer? Yeah. When, when you were growing up, did your parents ever ask you, do you want a spanking? <laughs> you know what Sure, Mom. I, I, that's just what I had on my mind. Do you want to be grounded for two weeks? Yes, Mother. The thing I would like to do is I'd like to be grounded for two weeks. It's one of those questions you say, how in the world can you answer that question? And Jesus comes and said, do you want to get well? He'd been an invalid for 38 years. And the Bible says Jesus learned he had been in that condition. There's something there I want you to see. Okay? Here's what I want to tell you. Is I don't believe the man had been an invalid all of his life. Because the scripture says he'd been an invalid for 38 years. Throughout the gospels, anytime somebody's been that way all their life, the Bible says, and here was a crippled man that's been crippled since birth. It did not say since birth. It said 38 years. Ha! Huh. Not only that, you go down to verse number 14 of this chapter. And Jesus is going to tell the man once he's healed, now you better stop sinning or something else can happen to you again. Did you ever see that in the verse, verse number 14? Again. In other words, in other words, 
This man had not always been an invalid. There was a time he was not crippled. He had done something misdeed, something crooked, some crime. And because of that, he was in that condition because Jesus said, don't sin or it'll happen to you again. Now, what caused this man to be crippled? I don't know. Was, did, did, he, did he try to rob the treasury and, and he was caught and he's running and scaling a wall and someone took an arrow and shot an arrow and it hit him in the spine and crippled him? I don't know. I don't know. Was, was he trying to steal a, an animal sometime? And the owner came out and saw it and hit him with a club and, and, and they got into some kind of a, a, a fight and he was injured. And I don't know. I don't know what is. But Scripture seems to indicate that the man had not always been an invalid. There was a time in which he was not an invalid. And I believe that Jesus walks into the pool of Bethesda and he picks the man with the worst condition had been there the longest. Jesus, and the Bible says, and Jesus learned that the man had been an invalid for 38 years. I believe Jesus walks in, he sees all the cripple, and he realized, somebody told him, he's been there the longest, and his condition is the worst. And Jesus singles this man out, and he's going to use this man, this man, because he has a message for everyone at the pool of Bethesda. And it introduces to us a phenomenon called impact bias. Now, what is impact bias? Impact bias is a phenomenon that all of us, all of us, all of us experience, all of us encounter it. Impact bias says that we have a tendency to exaggerate something. And there's some things that we, we assign it more distress, more worry, more, more problem. We see some problems as solvable, but through impact bias, we say this one is a lot worse than all the other. Let me show you an example. Let me show you an example. These are styrofoam cups, okay? This is just a regular styrofoam cup, okay? Here's some cups that are stacked, okay? Let me just, let me just try this, okay? I'm going to stack them up here, okay? Okay. Just stay with me. Right, stay with me. Okay. 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 Okay, Denise does this at the house a lot. She threw these on her nose. She's okay, there it is. Okay, there, there, there it is. What you just saw is what is, that's called impact bias. Did you notice when I drop one cup, no one said anything? But I stack more cups up and the thought that it can make a bigger mess. We're, ooh, ah, we're caught in the emotion. Impact by it. In other words, we assign more energy, we assign more penalty to some things than we do others. Example, 
All of us have probably been saying, we're drinking coffee and you spill a little bit on your shirt. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. But if you spilled a half a cup of coffee and you said, oh, my goodness, oh, my, look what I have, look what I have done. You'll go back to work and you'll tell her, I, I spilled a half a cup of coffee. on. You'll go home and you'll, you'll tell your wife, you can't believe what I did today. I spilled a half a cup. I mean, look at this, look what's in my shirt. And then for three months, your wife is going to tell you every time you drink coffee, whatever you do, don't spill coffee, okay? You know what happened three months ago. You're going to hear the seminar from then on. You know what I'm talking about, guys? Give me an amen. You know what I'm talking about? You'll just keep hearing that over and over again. But you don't hear it for a little spill. But somehow we think the little spill is not a big deal. But if you drop a whole half a cup, it's a big deal. It's called, it's called impact bias. I believe Jesus understood that. And he said, if I could reach out to the worst and the longest, and I get him to get up, I invite him, and if he'll have the faith, everybody there will know nothing is too hard for God. God will step in. It doesn't matter how big a mess you have in your life. It doesn't matter how many broken promises, how many times you've failed, how many times you promised God, how many times you turned your back, how many times you spilled your dignity. If God can do it for the worst and the longest, he can do it for you in your life. That's what Jesus is teaching us. God has the ability to step in our life. And when you say, oh, no, God is saying, I can handle it. I can handle it. Let's go on. A man lying there 38 years. Verse number 7. Jesus said, get up. He said, I have no one to help me when I get up. When I'm trying to get up, somebody else goes ahead of me. When I'm trying to get into the pool, then verse number 8, Jesus said to him, then get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. Now there are two thoughts I want to give us real quickly. Then we're going to have our prayer moment, our from now on prayer moment. The first thought I want to share with you is faith decides now and comprehends later. Faith decides now. I'm going to invite you to decide now. I'm going to invite you to have a from now on moment today. Faith decides now and it understands later. You don't have to understand it now. You don't have to figure it out now. You don't have to have, you don't have, to have a business plan all put together. Faith Faith acts now and understands later. Verse number 8, Jesus says, get up, take up your bed, and walk. Now, in verse number 13, there's something you just, you got to see this. The man is healed, and then here's what we read in verse number 13, a little further down in the story. It says, and the man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away in the crowd that was there. Did you get that? This man got up at the mat after 38 years of a condition. 38 years living below average. He gets up. God heals him. And somebody said, who was it? Who was it that healed you? Who was it that, that, that did this in your life? He said, I have no idea. 
do you know Jesus healed him and he didn't even know it was Jesus? He didn't even know who it was. You see, faith acts now and figures it out later. Yeah. There are times in life you won't fully understand it. God will put a word in your spirit. God will speak something as he is speaking to your heart right now. And you're saying, but I don't know if it'll work out. My counselor said, I haven't read a book on it. I haven't been in the church long enough. I, I don't know that I know enough about it. I don't really understand. I don't know how I'm going to put it together if I try that. If I, if, if I move forward in that ambition, if, if I say I'm going to become what God wants me, if I go into that career path, how am I going to pay for it? If I start the business, how am I going to put the business plan together? If I'm going to do, I, don't know, I don't know how it's going to happen. So what do we do? We freeze. And we do nothing. We remain below average we just remain below average but faith acts now and figures out later example example I can remember I was a teenager my pastor taught on tithing I said I don't understand it but I'm going to do it the Bible teaches it I'm going to do it the Bible says if I will tithe, if I will give the first tenth to the Lord, God will bless you. Do you know there's not an accountant in America that will agree with that on paper? The person doing your income tax won't agree with that. How is it that you can take and give away and God can increase the 90% left over? It doesn't work on paper. But faith acts now and understands later. And Denise, all of our married life, we have honored the Lord with the tithe. Doesn't matter what comes in, we honor the Lord. If we get a gift, we tithe on the gift. We, we tithe on gifts. We say, it's worth this much. We're going to honor the Lord. And through the years, can I tell you, I've seen blessing. I've seen unusual opportunity. God has come through. God's protection here. God has helped out here time and time and time again. I just see it and I look back now and I can tell you, not based upon the calculator, based upon faith. If you will act now, you will see the blessing and the goodness of the Lord later. Faith acts now. And understands later. Yes. Point number two. Point number two. Real quickly. God will do a personal miracle in your life. God will do a personal miracle in our lives. God will do a personal miracle if we are willing to deliver one. God will do a personal miracle for you if you're willing to deliver a miracle. Pastor, help me understand. What, what, what do you mean by that? Verse number 8 and 9. Jesus comes to the man who's on the mat. He said, do you want to get well? He said, I have no one to help me. The excuses come in. Jesus said, get up. Pick up that mat. And Walk. Did you ever notice he said, pick up the mat? He didn't say, leave the mat there. Hmm. I'd have told him to leave the mat there. Jesus said, pick up that mat and walk. And then verse 9, it's repeated. It's so important that it's repeated in verse number 9. And he picked up the mat and walked. Huh. Why did Jesus tell him, take the mat with you? Hmm. There's something here. First off, God doesn't want you to empower and enable somebody else to lay and to be in a below average life. 
Don't get don't 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 give somebody an excuse. Don't don't moan. Don't complain. Don't give don't enable somebody to stay in their addiction. If that brother-in-law is going to use that money to go to the club and buy margaritas, don't give it to him. God wants to free him from that. Don't help him to continue in his sin. Don't enable people. But Jesus said, take that mat wherever you go. Haul it with you. Why? Because somebody's going to walk up to you and say, why are you carrying that? And the man's going to say, I'm glad you asked me that. I'm glad you asked me that. See? going to spark the conversation have you ever been to the pool of Bethesda have you ever heard of it yeah I've heard about the pool of Bethesda did you ever hear about a lame man that was there for 38 years yeah used to hear about him haven't heard much about him lately I'm that man and this is that man you're the man and that is the man yeah what happened oh I'm glad you asked me that I was there 38 years, and a man by the name of Jesus came along and said, you want to get better? And I said, no, I sure do. And I got up, and this is the mat, and I've never laid on it since then. This becomes my testimony. This becomes my story. Every time God does something in your life, tell the story. Has God blessed you financially? Then every time you hear somebody say, we're struggling, you tell them how God's blessed you. God helped you with your children. God helped your family through a situation. Every time you hear a co-worker say, our family is struggling, you tell him, let me tell you what God did for my family. Let me tell you what God can do for your family. Let me tell you what God can do in your heart. God ever healed you? If he's healed you, tell the story. Let me tell you what, I, was, I had a condition. I was diagnosed. God touched me and I'm healed. And because of that, I'm a different person today. Your mat becomes your story. If you're willing to deliver a miracle, God will give you a miracle. And every one of us, God's done something. And God says, then share it. Take that story. Take that story. It's Marcus who was with us in the, the service just before that before this. Marcus always sits in this area here, see him every Sunday morning, his black leather coat on. God's done a miracle in his life. Oh, I remember when Marcus was there and he said, Pastor, it's three months of sobriety. High five me, Marcus. God's doing a great work. I remember he said, it's six months of sobriety, Pastor. I'd high five him, six months, keep going. I remember when he said, I'm three months away from my year. I remember, I remember he said, Pastor, it's three weeks away. I remember when he came in and said, Pastor, next week, next Sunday will be one year of sobriety. Then I saw him coming into church, and he said, it's a year. I high-fived and said, Marcus, you made it a year. You can make it a lifetime. He's carried that story of God's deliverance. He tells it. It's his mat, but he's not laying on it. He's telling the story of the miracle power of God and what God can do in your hearts. And God will do the same for you. God will do the same for you. He'll give you a miracle if you'll deliver a miracle. God wants you to have it. we go to prayer I'm going to invite you whatever God's been speaking to you whatever God's stirred in your heart
This is your from now on moment. Fellas, sometimes we can get paralyzed and live below average. I don't know how. I don't know if I can pull it off. I don't know if I'm good enough. Jesus didn't ask him for his resume. Jesus said, just get up and start walking. Fellas, I invite you to have your from now on moment today. In God's presence, I'm going to call this entire auditorium an altar right now. In which hearts are going to make a commitment to the Lord. Let's pray. Let's pray, Father. Father, I believe in this auditorium right now, in the balcony and the main floor. You're having a conversation with us. Some of us are struggling because we, we haven't figured it out, but the good thing about faith, faith just acts and figures it out later. And God, I just believe that you're calling people to get out of the, to get off of their mat, to get off of their excuses, to get, to get out of that lifestyle of below average, to become the man of God, the person of God, become the family, the Christian home you've intended them to have. To make the commitment to say, from now on I will, from now on I will be. To awaken to the purpose of that young adult who has struggled with what they feel inside but have tried to figure it out how they're going to get money for school or how they're going to pull this off and how they're going to have time for that God I call that young adult into the purposes of God and to say now from now on from now on I will walk God's way from now on I will go all in with God from now on I will follow what, what, what God has to say. From now on, I will become, I will, I will say no to my own desires. And I will say yes to what God intends my life to be. God, I pray that for people. I believe right now, God, you're having a private conversation in the inner chamber of the heart. And as it were, Emotional and spiritual invalids are rising up. They're, they're making commitments to the Lord right now. They're making decisions in favor of God. Somebody living together, never done, never done it God's way, have lived together and have excused it because they've done it for eight years, nine years, ten years, or whatever, that God understands they have never had the blessing of the Lord upon that relationship. And God, you're calling them to, from now on moment to make that relationship right in the eyes of God. I pray that. And Holy Spirit, I call your people, I call your people to an above average life. In Jesus' name. Amen.